0: they're trying to try return it. We'll play from Miller, that's it on Jamie Smith going through, Jimmy Smith that sets up, he goes in again Jimmy Smith, the first player sets Billy Knox to score two and a European tie for Aberdeen
1: and they are on route and on their way to the last 32 of the April Cup Aberdeen looks for the hero they find one, Jimmy Smith
0: it's beginning to go a lot like Christmas for Aberdeen So hello and welcome to the latest By The Minute podcast. This one happens to be number 111, or Nelson, to borrow a cricket income. term. And of course, we're joined once again by the perennial tail lender that is Martin Clunas. Martin, how are you?
2: I'm delighted to be here as always, Richard. Good stuff. However,
0: to beef up the uh, middle order, we're joined by a man who's seen a fair bit of Aberdeen grades cricket in this time. It's a uh, football journalist for the Sunday Times, and in case you didn't know, Don's fan, Jonathan Northcroft, Jonathan hi
3: Good evening, loving the cricket chat
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm making a podcast debut tonight Is all-rounder Erin Greave Erin's equally at home in the main stand at Potaudry In a courtroom Or on her own podcast For the love of pod Which is, well what's it about Erin? Comedy, broadly isn't it? That's very flattering, thank you
1: Um, It is about
0: general nonsense really General nonsense You'll fit in very well here then Thank you very much for having me Thanks for coming on. So first this week, to the visit of old friends Dundee United. I I say friends, they're really more acquaintances, who you used to share a bit of a rivalry with, but now you've not seen them in quite a while and they're looking a bit down on their luck and you forget you were ever once in competition with them. Another four goals for the Dons, 14 in the last four, more than any, you know we love a stat here, more than any four game run since 1996. And each of the starting attacking players seem to have hit their groove, Aaron.
1: Yes, um, nice to score four goals A shame to let him two I think um, GMS I've, I've heard people say he was quite bad yesterday I thought he was alright Well, I actually think Ken McLean was very good yesterday Which is paining me to say it as At the start of the season I thought it was useless But since
0: we sold him, he's much better than he was Well there's two points that come out of that I think the first one, Guy Stephen steven Eight goals now he's up to uh, Good goal return for a wide attacking midfielder but um, his lack of assists, uh, Jonathan, I just wonder if it's, we're maybe comparing him too much to Johnny Hayes, who obviously, when he got the ball in a wide position, just ran at fullbacks and beat them more times than not. So I'm just wondering if he's maybe suffering a little bit by that comparison. How do you think he's bedded in?
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe he is suffering a little bit because Johnny Hayes was, you know, at some points the most important player we had and... and um, Mackay Stevens at the start of things really for Aberdeen. He's not, you know, he's not at that level yet. But you have to look at what he's got, and and there's such great raw materials there. I mean, that you know, the, the pace he's got, that running off the ball, um, just makes him such a such a threat. I think he is still at a point where he, he's he's relying on on being, I guess, fed by. You know he needs the right situation. He needs needs a decent counter attack. He needs he needs to be fed a little bit. He's not grabbing hold of things in the way that Johnny Hayes would have done. But I mean, my goodness, he scored. You know, left foot, right foot, contributed with his his kind of slight miskick volley. But you know, it was it was okay. Um, I can't understand how anyone might have thought he didn't play too well against United. Um, and he's a good signing for me. I think he's only going to get better.
1: People on on Twitter said he didn't have a good game
3: yesterday. I think that includes me,
0: in fairness. I thought there were a couple of occasions when he was uh, given the ball and offered offered the opportunity to run at their right-back. He was a makeshift right-back and... Yeah, he, again, it's just a, maybe just too much of a contrast with the last guy that played attacking wide, right? He's offering a different threat. He's maybe a bit more direct. He's, he's maybe attacking more through the centre than we used to. With Johnny Hayes would go wide, he would get to the byline, he would get balls into the box. And it's maybe just an, adapting to a different kind, kind of player who, when he faces up a fullback, maybe he isn't always going to try and knock it past him and beat him. He's maybe going to try and come inside, maybe going to be a bit more of a direct threat. And I think it, it was more that, and I think on a few occasions yesterday he did have that opportunity to attack their right back and just and turn back, and or he lost the ball. But two goals, and as Jonathan points out, a fairly fortunate assist. Uh, certainly a very positive contribution. There's no question about that. There was maybe a little bit of a disappointment that we got to four-one up after about fifty-five minutes, and um, a slight disappointment for the last half hour for you, Aaron, just that we didn't add to the scoreline. <sighs> I actually just think
1: like I'm freezing after the game. It was so cold. It was the Ross county game all over again. But it was all exciting and great and we like were 4-0 up at county. And then I just don't know where defence are. I think the other thing is that you sit there and I suppose if sitting at 4-1, you're probably fine. And I don't see why Graham Shinney was still on the pitch. I think he's a great player, but that's half an hour that he could have had another yellow card and missed the next game.
0: Yeah, the guys on the yellow card are definitely ones that we maybe should have looked at to be taking off. I would have thought, Jonathan, it's a cup tie, end of a day, getting through is the most important thing. Shinny in particular is going to miss the next two games, quite big games, Hibs and Celtic. You would have thought that Derek might have wanted to see what life without him might be like.
3: Yeah, I, I just thought maybe that second goal just just in, you know meant that he had to just get the job done. I mean that that was the, that was a consequence of losing that goal. Really, it, it meant the last half an hour had to be a little bit less comfortable than it than it could have been. But I know what you mean because we're going to go into you know a couple of big games without really anybody close to being a like for like replacement, and it might have been a chance to to see ball or something like that. Um, he's got a sort of tackling out game, him though, isn't he? I mean. That's some stat about him being booked more than anyone else. And
1: I think and yesterday's was soft.
3: Really? Uh, I
1: don't think it was. Well, it was one of his softer ones. I think, <laughs> I've
0: think. i got to say, I, I thought maybe at the game it looked soft, but watching the highlights back uh, today, see, we did do, do prep. Um, it, Yeah, it was a clear yellow card. It, it was, I think... For me, Jonathan, the frustration is the area of the pitch where yesterday's yellow card occurred. It was in a nothing position. It wasn't as if we, he was the United player would be breaking on our back line. It, it seemed daft from that perspective.
3: Yeah, I, I, look, I know what I'm saying. It wasn't a bad tackle. It's not going to hurt anyone. But he goes, across, it, it's, he goes over with his wrong leg. I mean, it's just technically a, a, a pretty poor tackle, pretty clumsy. And you're going to... You're going to give away a foul every time by doing that, and uh, you know I know he's trying to stop a counter attack, but you know I don't think they were going to hurt us from there.
0: You did speak, Evan, during the week about having um, some of his yellow cards being harsh. You you thought yesterday's was harsh, but he's got to stop surely giving the referee the opportunity in in these circumstances, no? Or do we just accept that this is part and parcel of the area he plays uh, the game in?
1: I think he's just. It's just a bad habit and he's the captain And I think partly he plays, I suppose, he plays quite high So he's obviously going to be in a situation where he's looking to stop the possibility of a goal But I think a lot of them are scrappy and needless And I don't think it's a great example And now he's missing two huge games
0: Yeah, this will be the uh, three games in total he's missed to uh, suspension this year I need to look up actually just how much of this season he's played with a yellow card against how much he's played you know, Without being on the booking I suspect it would probably work out about 50-50 um, and <laughs> Again you feel a little bit um, A little bit picky going at this Again it's a cup tie we got through And we were never in any danger But once again the defending for both goals And indeed throughout On what was a, a tough pitch to play football it, it definitely to me it showed signs Of there not being that relationship in place between a young goalkeeper, obviously just making his second appearance and his centre halves yet. Uh, the two goals, plus obviously that occasion right at the start of the second half where Woodman decided to come wandering and nearly led to a, a really calamitous uh, own goal. Evan, what do you make of a decision to, to go with um, Woodman instead of Danny Rogers? Um, because, you know, whilst there may be Woodman might be the more technically able keeper, you would expect that obviously Rogers would have built up some sort of relationship, albeit in training with uh, o'connor and uh, mckenna
1: i I feel, I feel really sorry for him i mean i don't know what he does in training maybe he's awful um but you sit on the bench as a keeper especially you sit on the bench 90 minutes every game and you know you're never getting on unless there's a disaster i mean in a way i suppose you don't really want to get on you don't want to see your fellow keeper injured or it's just it's a difficult probably situation to be in as well and that you don't really get you don't get game time practice you know, you're not going to get on for the last five minutes or anything. I thought he looked okay at range. I mean, he came on in a horrendous situation. I thought he looked fine at Kilmarnock, um, but obviously maybe he's doing things in training that aren't that great. And I think, yeah, you'd imagine he'd have a better relationship with some of the defenders, but I think the defence is just such a mess anyway that probably doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, we've spoken before when we've had David Priest on, Jonathan, about the life of the substitute goalkeeper. And it's, uh, it can be quite a thankless one. There seems to be, actually be a culture of quite experienced goalkeepers in England being uh, moved around between some of the larger clubs as third or fourth choice keepers at the moment. There's a few names that spring to mind yeah. that, you know, well, they, they've picked up a league medal for that. Um, it, it, it must be a thankless role to be in Danny Rogers' shoes, to have spent you know, done everything that's been asked of him, gone out on loan, uh, spent the last year and a half on the bench, and then when his time comes, or you expect it to come, he's overlooked almost immediately.
3: I know, I mean, I, I, I funnily enough, I interviewed um Asmir Begovic last week, mm-hmm. and he, of course, was number two at Chelsea and, and got a Premier League title winners' medal out of it, but pretty much hated the experience of being a number two, yeah, because he's, he, what he said was, it's like. Preparing and working all week, and then having no outlet for it. He said it was like having no outlet for all the, that kind of competitive pent-up energy that he'd he'd built up. And, and he said, you know, like on a Saturday he'd want to go and you know play tennis or just go for just do something to get rid of, just try and compete at something to get rid of what he'd sort of built up during the week. He said it was very 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 hard mentally. And and you know I think the fact that someone like him was willing to leave Premier League champions to go to the Bournemouth just shows you what an experience that is, I, I do feel for Rodgers, and I, t- I just wonder if um, I wonder what promises have been made in terms of, of you know, maybe Woodman has to play um, I mean he is a terrific prospect people down here talk about him as him versus Angus Gunn, potential England goalkeepers, that is a kid that might one day be playing international football Um but he's he's very young, and don't forget Newcastle have had a goalkeeping crisis all year, um, and actually signed a goalkeeper in the, in, in the last sort of couple of weeks, and weren't putting him in. So he's, his confidence has probably been knocked. He might have expected to have been given a chance this year and hasn't done. So you know he's, he he needs to he needs to play well at um, Pottor he needs to play well pretty quickly? I'd have thought from from a confidence point of view.
1: Do you think he was good yesterday?
3: No. I, th- I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought
1: that, he was really bad yesterday.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I thought it was a lovely strike by McMullen, but he shouldn't be getting beaten quite as easily and, and just lacked a little bit of authority and understanding. Um, yeah, and I was a bit disappointed, to be honest.
1: Again, this is the Twitter thing. There seems to be a, a fan club starting, but I thought he was fairly poor. But then I think we oh, will always miss Julius.
0: Well, I think maybe it's something I was going to talk about with uh, uh, Chidi Berry and Nocali. There's maybe, and this is maybe unfair to, to tar younger people with this brush, but there seems to be an assumption that just because you're signed to a large English club that you're going to be good. I mean, N'Okali's a, a very interesting example. He, he can't play for Man City. He, he doesn't have a work permit to play in England. And, you know, what we're seeing then there, Jonathan and you know three or four good goalkeepers on the books is one example of it, but these clubs are, are just becoming football farms now, aren't they, especially in terms of, of younger players. You know I look at some of the guys that have come up to the SPL for Man United this last window, twenty one years old, still in the United Reserves, and frankly nowhere near the first team. I mean surely for their own sanity, they have to try and get out of that earlier than that. They know that I would have thought if you're not making a breakthrough by 18 nineteen, it's not going to happen.
3: I agree. I think I think they need to get out by yeah seventeen eighteen. If, if there's no sign of them playing, then you, you're you're right about the football farms thing. There's a couple of things that go on. In, so for some clubs, the big clubs, it's become part of the business model. So Manchester City, you know, spending so much money on recruitment, are trying to recoup just a little bit by loaning players out. They took two and a half million by loaning out Joe Hart. They've taken. 500 grand by loaning out Dinea, and they'll have little loan fees Mm -hmm. here and there. I think they've got about 17 or 18 players out on loan. They're probably going to recoup 10 million pounds a year, um, which is the same amount of money they've accepted from Amazon to do a documentary that, you know, behind the scenes in the the club that gets cameras in the dressing rooms. So that shows what 10 million pounds would mean even to them. I think Chelsea make even more out of their loans. So it's become a slightly cynical part of life for, for, for Premier League clubs. And the other thing that happens to these guys is because the academy football is now just so important in terms of box ticking and P, then clubs find it imperative to have strong squads for every age group. So you, what you get is even kids of 12, 13 being brought in really as squad players, you know, like a, being brought in as a squad left-back for the under-12s. And, and they can, you know, they, that might be their role for the next four or five years. So just because they've been at a big club, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be brilliant. I, I'd rather have the, the player that's been playing 17, 18 um, lower down sometimes because they will have been good enough to go in someone's first team. So, of course, it's going to be brilliant. You know, Aaron Moy came from Man City, nowhere near the first team, been loaned out, very similar to Qualy up to a point and he's a brilliant player but there's a lot of other players that are going to come out of, of, of that system and, and you know they've, they've missed competitive football at a young age and they're not necessarily going to be brilliant just because of the, you know, the name of the parent club
0: Yeah, uh, Martin I, I read an interview with David Raven during the week, um, he won the cup with Callie Thistle, big part of the recent success and he talked about cancelling his Liverpool contract a year earlier He'd, and he'd actually made a couple of top team appearances, one in the Premier League, I think But, but just a, he, he knew he had to get out and play somewhere else And I guess we've spoken on here before about our young reserves Maybe not being loaned out early enough in their development But getting games at a young age is absolutely key, isn't it? And competitive games as well, not just academy league or, or reserve league games
2: Yeah, it has to be um, I, I did see the interview you were talking about as well, the one with David Raven um, no, and it's been it's been to you know the young players' credit, the club that most of them you no, know, I think all of them have gone out. I mean I think there was a few years ago there was a rumour that maybe Michael Payton had turned down a chance to go out and on loan and that was pretty much the end of his Aberdeen career. But we've seen a lot of them go out on loan and try and sort of make a make a name there and come back and not not many of them have came back and managed to sort of forge their, their way into the first team. But, you know, you see Frank Ross on Saturday, he's gone out and got a goal. Hopefully, you know, Hopefully, you know, we, We've got a we've got a diamond in the rough there. I think he's he's hopefully one for the future, but that's what it seems to be. You know, to David he for example, his, the credit of him canceling a contract at a club like Liverpool, where he would have been earning pretty good money. Uh, you know, nowhere near the nowhere near being like a a proper first team player, but he got out play, actually played football and he's forging you know a pretty decent career for himself. You know, he's aware that. No, you're not going to be. He's maybe not going to be one of these a, a Premiership footballer, but he's out there. He's wanting, wants a bunch to play football. Um, you compare that to you know we've seen all the kind of tales of journey. Maybe clubs like Man City where they've got a third choice, fourth choice goalie who's never going to play a game. Whereas there's guys like him who want to play football. And so you're kind of hoping that the young players at Aberdeen will take a, take note of that. It'll go out, get some games under their belt at a lower league, come back and then stake their claim for the first team.
1: I think actually Frank Cross
0: scored probably Aberdeen's best goal this weekend. Best goal by an <laughs> Aberdeen player, probably Frank Ross's, so it's excellent. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's a lovely little uh, you know, run in 1-2 for Morton and a win over at Dumbarton, and um, <clears throat> according to Jim Duffy, he's, he's played well over the last couple of games as well, so so that's encouraging. Um, it comes at the same time that Scott Wright is now, again, not made the 18 on Saturday, so... Um, There are pluses and minuses to how our kids are doing it at the moment But um, at least, I think, let's be honest At least we're not as bad as Sunday. United Um, Very much a case of there but for the grace of God go us Because on, on Sunday... I think if you spoke to most United fans, they would be delighted that they got away with the result that they did. They, they were, for the most part, in utter shambles. And it's, it's three years, basically, since they beat us in the League Cup semi-final at Hamden. Um, and Armstrong, and Mackay Steven, and even Nadir Shifty, who's gone slightly off the rails since. But, you know, they were key players for what was a, a strong Dundee United team. So, Evan, when you see a team like that who have been a rival what's your response? Are you like, Martin, do you miss them? more?
1: Yeah, I was glad we got them actually, it was a nice draw to get. I miss them in the league, because I think, an extra derby is always great, it's a good away game to Sunday United, um, and I think there's, there are teams in the league, I would rather have, like, um, I probably wouldn't mind having them up, so, but I was quite pleased with the draw, and it, it's kind of like, it's maybe like bumping into an old boyfriend and then being like, oh, we'll go for a drink. <laughs> And you think it would be nice, but actually it's not really. And afterwards you think, oh, what was I doing? Because <laughs> it wasn't a great game. I think they were really poor. The two goals were totally our fault. We handed them to them. But it was, it was a nice draw. And I think we could have had worse draws. And there was a little bit of like a romantic, like, oh, we're getting done to United. It was a nice one. And they brought... I think they brought a fairly decent amount of fans. You heard them more than you heard us, as usual, um, and it was nice to play them again.
0: Well, Jonathan, if also nice to beat them, of course. Jonathan, if Aaron's not prepared to stick the boot in, go on.
3: I'm just. I'm thinking, who would go out with Dundee United? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, look, I, I actually missed them a little bit because, it, you know, it, 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 it was something my my era of. of, of Watching the Dons, it was the best fixture of the year, you know, of, of, of the season. It was Jim McLean, V Fergie, and it was the two best teams in the country. And you know, it, it always, always been a, a, a kind of New Year pilgrimage down to, to um, well, I'm not even going to say their name, but that place, and or, or, or you're watching watching them at Petardie, and it was always part of part of the, the calendar. Um, but they were just so far short it was it was a little bit sad really um, uh, I feel a little bit sort of patronizing I guess saying that, but it was a bit sad the gulf between the teams and um, how kind of much Laszlo tried to make out of the fact that they you know they scored a couple of goals and all that kind of stuff I mean it was clutching at straws. They were really flat by four two um i 'm also i 'm in a fantasy football league with um the London branch of the, the Dundee United, some of the Dundee United supporters club. Um, so it's going to be quite a nice week from that point of view. But I know those, those lads have, have suffered a lot in the last...
0: Uh... Yeah, I mean, Martin, let's not beat about the wish. We've had sides that over the last couple of decades that have been more than bad enough to have gone down and that uh, could have been us in a different universe.
2: It could have been, I mean... You mentioned the obviously we played them in that semi final where they beat us. Um and then the next day they basically the next day or the next couple of days they went and sold the Crown Jewels. Um and the difference in the two clubs since then has been enormous. Um uh, we've sorta of, I think I would think it's fair to say we've gone from strength to strength and they've just fallen apart completely. No, I've, I've said before in here. I know I like I like Tannadice away. It's a good trip, but you know, I'm not going to shed too many tears about them going. But yeah, we, we've been we've been poor. There's games in the past where you know they've given us and we've went down there or they've come up here and they've given us an, given us an absolute do. um, you know the Dean Windass red card game, for example. You know, and we've had some terrible sides and. If you think of it you no know, it's not unlucky that they've gone they 've gone down because you know it's it's well, it's mismanagement really um they've had a couple of relegations and gone down um this one seems to be a pretty serious one, and there's talk of you know you no know, you know, they might not be coming back um there certainly is some financial issues there that are going to struggle with so um it was nice to have them back for for one game um. No, I'm, I don't think we'll be seeing them any anytime soon unless we get them in the cup again next year.
0: Well, they are still second in the championship. They haven't actually had a couple of relegations yet, Martin. That's maybe wishful thinking on your part. Um, so, I,
2: I meant I meant obviously since since would say that they were relegated what mid nineties when it, it could have been us. Well, yes. So they've had a couple of relegations since then. They,
0: minute, they have become so. something of a yo-yo team since then, I guess. Um... <laughs> Much like Hearts, we have to get that in. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so that was Dundee United four uh, two win. Uh, maybe not entirely satisfactory from our point of view, uh, but a win is uh, what you want in the cup, and it gets us through to another home tie in the quarter final. Kilmarnock get home. Erin, what do you what do you make of that draw? Oh, quite pleased
1: actually. It's quite nice. Um, I keep hearing people, oh Celtic and Rangers got a home draw. But to be fair, so we I've heard one as well. Um, I I think a home draw is always nice. I think looking at the pick of the teams, we obviously didn't want Celtic for Rangers because it would be nice to get to the semi-finals and it's not bad. And at home is always good. I think um, I've done the 6am early morning start to go down to Kilmarnock before and I'm glad to be avoiding that. I will be interested to see when it's going on because apparently through the four games are going TV. mm mm-hmm. So I'll be uh, interested to see if we end up being the one three o'clock Saturday. Other well, than that, I think it would be nice to welcome Chris Boyd back to Petaudry so he can uh, heckle our players and help them to glorious goals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, quite, quite. Um... It- Martin uh, Kilmarnock, obviously Jack McKenzie's got an exempt, well, almost exemplary I think he's drawn one out of the 15 Games against them that he's uh, Played as Aberdeen manager it, We're very strong in the Cups at home Lately, it, it, it's a decent draw Isn't it?
2: Uh, yeah um, you know, it's, it's one of the kinder draws you could have got I suppose, I mean there's obviously there's, there's Martin and there's Falkirk as well But it's one of the kinder draws We're at home again um, we, we will obviously have to next time we'll have either uh, Rachel on the podcast. We'll need to just ask her if the hot hot and cold balls for the draw thing is actually legit. Um we'll we'll find out. Um and then we'll find out how uh Silicon Rangers managed to get home draws again. But yeah, um it's it's a it's a good draw. Fairly confident. Um you know, Derek McInnes has done the business you know pretty much every time we've played them recently. They're a, they're getting a they're a bit of a different topic now. They're a better side than they've certainly have been in Several seasons So it won't be easy uh, But You know I think we can go into that Being fairly confident
0: I think in Rachel's defence It was uh, Russell Anderson That was drawing the home team So it was him That would have it had was, to be, It was Russell Yeah, so, yeah. So, so Rachel Corsi Was drawing the away team So she's not to blame uh, So So Rus- Russell very much to blame there, uh, Jonathan. It was
2: the hot it was where Russells in the cold balls are
0: Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, it was a it was a draw that was fraught with a with a lot of ties you want to maybe avoid as a Don's fan. Uh, we spoke about Celtic Rangers. There's obviously the argument that you maybe want Celtic at home before you have to play them at a neutral venue uh, if you've got designs on winning the trophy. But um, it was actually turned out to be fairly benign when you look at the the alternatives, like a visit to Tynecastle might have been, for example. Even Motherwell, who put us out the cup earlier in this season.
3: Yeah, and, and and you know, yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't too bad uh, at home. Team we've beaten twice um, recently. Um, you, you know, you've got to be able to win a tie like that if you're going to win the cup. There's enough on it as well, given given the last game, Chris Boyd. Rowan's McKenna, there's, the, 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 there's a little bit of spice there. Um, yeah, I like it. It's a good, it's a good draw, and I think it's got to be on TV. Come on, it's it's a better game than Motherwell Hearts.
0: What about Steve Clark? It's Saturday then? Well, we'll we'll find out that in the next couple of days. I'm sure whether it's Saturday morning or Saturday evening or half past two. Some at of, tees- of us
1: don't live in Aberdeen. Half past two, two Tuesday morning nice
3: or. Just <laughs> I live to- Leicester. My only my only chance is if they're on TV.
0: Do actually wants it on telly? Were you quite surprised that Steve Clark ended up at Kilmarnock, not from a point of view of, oh, it's Kilmarnock, but from a point of view that his reputation in England hadn't secured him in another post down there?
3: I'm massively surprised, yeah, because... I mean, no, that's no offence to Kilmarnock, I'm just surprised that, that he hadn't... Well, hadn't been given more of a chance after after West Brom, where he did really, really well. You know, finished, finished eighth, better than Tony Pulis managed, better than Roy Hodgson managed, Roy Hodgson... You know, ended up being England manager not long after. Um, Steve Clark, everybody I've spoken to who's worked under him says so what, what a really good coach he, he was. He said that at Liverpool, said that at Chelsea. I think there's a lot of fashion that goes into appointments, um, certainly here. And, and I, I look at Paul Clement, who ended up at Bayern Munich and then getting, you know, a, a fairly nice number at, at, at Swansea. Uh, on the back of being a Chelsea assistant, and actually Steve Clark's done a lot more in his career. But maybe you know he's, he's, he's kind of got a hangdog expression and he's he, he's a he's seen as a dour Scott, whereas Paul Clement cuts the right cuts the right figure and and, and all that sort of stuff. I think it's fashion. I think in terms of ability, CV, um, Clark deserves far more of a of a go. Uh, and I think it's a pretty big coup to have him and you know when it looked like um, our manager may just be going I was thinking you know he would Steve Clark would have been one of those I'd have thought I'd have have said would be would be capable of you know for us looking at to to replace at some point because I think he's that good if you look at the matches in the uh, in in the premiership at the moment I think he's got to be right up there
0: Well, of course, he's been quoted uh, for the vacant Scotland job as well. But, um, you know, for the time being, he's doing a very good job at Kili. I I believe they've only lost twice since he went there, both times to us, which is obviously a good omen ahead of the cup tie, which comes up at the start of March. Uh, Before we move on to discussing the Hibs game, Jonathan, I just wanted to spend some time um, basically just bumming up one of your articles that you wrote uh, for the Blizzard uh, on Petaudry. We spoke about the move, the potential move. I think we still need to see it as that until we get... Forty-four million pounds on the table. You spoke about uh, the move, uh, which had been approved last week, with Michael Grant, and you wrote a, a piece on Petardry in a blizzard, whilst obviously the planning process was still going through. Um, it's a very evocative mm. piece, and it, it talks about not just the shame about the club moving, but the, of the city missing something if that stadium goes.
3: Yeah, and further fact, I've been speaking to Michael via text about our, our sort of similar feelings on on the thing but yeah I mean in that piece I, I think one of the one of the one of the magical things about Patoji that, that that we shouldn't ever take for granted and, and, should, and we're going to end up having to mourn and remember is, is just how much of the city that football ground is um, I think of my childhood been taken down to Aberdeen Beach um, to paddle in the sea as a kid then to go play cricket on the links or, or crazy golf or whatever it was and, you know, Patoldry was always just sitting there. Um Always sort of, you know, part of the, the, the imagination, part of part of city life, part of the kind of, I don't know, where you went to, to have fun. I played on football pitches near Patoldry. I, I, I spoke to Kenny Dalgleish about him being a, a Celtic youth coming up to play Aberdeen Reserves. And they used to, away teams used to walk from, from the the railway station to Pataudry, because, you know, it's a a mile, a mile and a half. Great walk down King Street. Um, I just see so many grounds that are out of town that are basically, they they could be a retail park, they could be a shopping centre, it just happens to be a football ground. Um, And I know that's progress, I know that's modern life. I know some people want that more than they want an experience like Pataudry, but I think we will be losing something Huge will be will be moving out of you know I think the bones of the, of the city to to become like you know like 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 any other any other club really I think that's, I think it's tremendously sad I understand some of the reasons why we have to move um, but it's one of those it's like when something's taken away you start to think about what you're going to miss and I feel a lot of sadness thinking about just that that space that what's what what's going to be there what's it going to look like. That Pataudry sitting there
0: by the links Well we'll share that link again Twitter and on Facebook Obviously it's in the Blizzard Now if you're a fan of good football writing The Blizzard is the place to go There's a Scottish equivalent to Nutmeg But uh, the Blizzard covers world football And uh, obviously it had Jonathan's piece on Pataudry in it So well worth your time and investment If you're a football fan But uh, yeah we'll put that piece out again Everyone should read it I think it's, uh, it's a great bit of writing So thanks Jonathan for that Hibs away on Saturday Team lines obviously Graham Shinney is going to be out Martin uh, There seems to have been an assumption That Nokali would automatically replace him But I think Don't make is natural caution I, I always kind of thought Don Ball would Would probably replace him And he, he seems to be the next cab off the rank If you will now as well
2: He does seem to be Yeah I mean I got into it with a couple of my mates yesterday Before the game When we were talking about it um, And you know, the, the sort of Nicali seemed to be know well, the, the attitude was why is he not playing? You know Schinney's obviously going to miss some games. if they, they seemed you know, a few people were quite upset that Nakali wasn't getting didn't get a game yesterday, um, which you know I mean none of us have really seen him play. Um, I not I've I've not I've not seen him play in ninety minutes because you know I don't watch you know, much foreign football. Um, so Dominic Ball does seem to be the next kind of guy. Um, I do just wonder if you'll if McInnes would maybe just stick with what he knows and probably drop in maybe Arneson or someone and then we'll have Anthony O'Connor in that defensive midfield again, I'm not too sure. Um but it certainly looks I mean Dominic Ball hasn't really impressed, but then he's also not done a hell of a lot wrong. He's just been he's been kinda okay. Um whereas has came on, no, not really done anything remotely kinda impressive to, to stake a claim for it. It looks I would think Dominic Ball's probably going to be the guy. Uh, we don't know anything but I mean the thing is we don't really know anything about Nokale, that's the problem. Um, he comes from like we mentioned earlier on, he's came from Man City. Um he's got this kind of big you know he's been from a big club, so you kinda uh, assume he must be someone, but as you mentioned, you know, he can't play for them. Um so it's he's a bit of a, a bit of an unknown quantity even still, even though he's been here for sort of the time of five or six games. Um so it looks like it probably will be Dominic Ball for me.
0: Aaron, that change will have to be made, absolutely But uh, intriguingly, both times we've played Hibs this season, Grant McInnes has actually Used the same line-up, and it's probably the Only times, really, that he's used May And Rooney in tandem uh, He did for both of the, the 1-0 win At Easter Road and the 4-1 at um, I can't see him disrupting The, the attacking set-up right now though. So can you? Um, no, I think um, I was at both
1: those games GMS was uh, Good at the first one, he was excellent At Petaudry, and I think I think that we finally seem to have settled into a good attacking selection where McGinn, I think, has been a massive difference. He brings something that we were completely missing. And I think that we, up front, we, I would say... I'm going to jinx it because I I think up front, we probably look one of the best teams in the league. So I don't think he can change anything there. And I think that... They all play pretty well together. and all seem pretty comfortable. Um, obviously, in training, they are just doing things that they're then recreating on the pitch. The defence is worrying. I think he might take an Armson. Actually, I'd be surprised if he did take in double ball. I know he put him on, on Sunday, but I think Shinnie can't play. I think he might take an Armson. He and McKenna generally play pretty well together, and I don't think it would be a bad decision. But you never know. And I, as much as I love Derek,
0: who knows? <laughs> Well, the Stevie May situation, Jonathan, £400,000 is quite a big outlay for Aberdeen right now. And um, are we... Obviously, he's had his injury problems um, since the Ryan Jack tackle back in uh, the beginning of December. But are we right to maybe yeah. be a little bit underwhelmed by what he's offered? Or, is you know, after two years without fo- regular football, is this just a case of him getting back up to speed?
3: Nah, maybe a bit of both. I mean, I, I think we've also got to... Compliment Adam Rooney on on his kind of willpower to, to keep his keep his slot or or, or or get it back, but you know Steve may was supposed to be the upgrade, and, and I think one of the, the 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 areas maybe McInnes was looking to to try and affect was to the problem of playing Adam Rooney again, and we, we saw it in the Cup Final, we've seen it against Celtic or, or whatever. When you've got someone that's such a poacher and doesn't really Link up as, as much as he could Then you're up against it When you're playing a really, really good team I think that was one of the the reasons For bringing in Stevie May But yeah, he, he just hasn't quite Been what he's capable of Whether that's the injury or whether he just hasn't settled into the style I don't know But I, I think Aaron's right about McGinn He makes a huge difference um, His blend is very good with Rooney But I think just generally It opens up the 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 game for He's just a, such a good reference point For everyone to link into So I think attacking wise We're looking really good Just to Pick up a point about Carrie Arneson And I think he might come in um, I think McInnes has probably Got to be careful with him Because That's a guy that's looking At the World Cup And looking at You know A date with Argentina and, and Messi And that'll be the experience Of his life He will He will be Pretty frustrated Not playing at the moment uh, and he's quite a strong character. So just, I'm just guessing that politically it might be quite good to, to, to give him a game and to, to, to get him back on the pitch. Because I think he'll be starting to worry a bit about falling out of that Iceland team. And you know, it's going to be the biggest moment of his life, that, that World Cup.
0: I know you spend most of your time, Jonathan, watching uh, football at the higher end, end in England. But I um, do is very, very keen to hold on to Anthony O'Connor, a guy who... Well, in all likelihood, at the end of the season, move probably back to League One in England. It doesn't strike me as anything above what you would be able to pick up from an out-of-contract team down in League One. Frankly, is is that unfair on him, or is that? Yeah, no, no,
3: no. I, I think that's about right. He's not bad, but I, I, I don't think he's he's not he's not special, is he? Um, I mean, you know, you the, the bigger worry is obviously, losing McKenna at some point. Um. Who, who, you know, there's something a bit special about him O'Connor's done well, but he is fairly, fairly replaceable I'd have thought, he's obviously a good type as well He's got a bit of flexibility, but ability-wise, yeah You know, it's fairly ordinary, isn't
0: it? Now, the head-to-head records uh, against certain teams this season It's been highlighted a lot over the last few weeks By people who don't understand how a league works But obviously it's been hurting us versus Celtic (laughs) It's making a difference here, so um, eight points clear of Hibs and we've won both games. Now, if we won on Saturday, if, big if, 11 points clear of fourth. doesn't quite secure a European place, but it puts us in prime position to make sure that we do qualify for Europe via the league. Of course, the aims will be higher than that, Martin, but it's an important milestone to take off, isn't
2: it? It is, yeah. Um, We've said many, many times on this podcast before that European football is what Aberdeen Football Club does. To clinch it as early as possible, you know. well, okay it can't be clinched on Saturday, to clinch it as early as possible to secure it is is a really important thing. Um, you know, and obviously we want to well, we want to win the league, we want to win win the Scottish Cup. Um so you need to aim aim as high as possible. Uh, but the I think somewhat of the thing is the bare minimum has is for a season target has has to be qualifying for a European football. Um you know the the money that brings in the kind of the glamour that brings in. You know, people can be disparaging about the Europa League. I'm sure some people have been, but um, Europe qualifying for Europe is at the very least a bare minimum for Aberdeen.
0: Well, I think it's more the potential for money and the potential for glamour, Evan. Because uh, the last couple of years, maybe we've seen a bit of disappointment at stalling at the round that we have done in Europe, haven't haven't we? I you
1: can do a little bit more. I think. Before we got knocked out of the League, I so thought that's great. Everyone else be distracted by the European football, we can concentrate on the league, which hasn't really worked that well either. But I think I think we've got so used to it now, it would just be very weird if we were going to go to Europe. I went to Cyprus last year, and I think it is isn't it. it is quite exciting. There's something different about, I suppose, going to see your team in Europe. And I'm actually going as a work thing, it's not a choice to um see Celtic present on Thursday and strangely, although I think I'll just support neither team, there is something quite nice about going to European games. It's a little bit more magical and I think the best atmosphere I've seen at Chawtry this season was the Livers all first leg. And it's a shame we can't have that all the time. But I do think a European game is just is a little bit more exciting. And it shouldn't be, but it is.
0: Two things, Jonathan, from what, from what Martin said. Um, that European football is, is kind of in our blood here at Aberdeen, which I think anyone of our era growing up would, would agree with. But the other thing about it being being a minimum requirement, things have definitely changed in the last five years, haven't they? I mean, football fans have short memories.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's one of the best things about the whole McInnes era has been the elevating um, of our expectations after so long you know, clutching at crumbs really of, of, of the odd good day here and there. I mean, we do we do now, it's going to be a disappointment if we're not second and it would be a disappointment if we're not in Europe and we're slightly disappointed we haven't won a cup um, since the League Cup and we're, you know, we're slightly disappointed we haven't been in the Europa League proper and I think that's great, I think that's, that's what we should be about. We sh- should have expectations. My least favourite period of... Um, my life supporting Aberdeen was in the Eddie Scovdal period, where I, I felt there was an element of, of, of people getting, you know, we're getting hammered seven nil at Celtic Park, and people kind of, you know, gallows humour, but but kind of laughing about it. And to me, Aberdeen have got to be. We've got to we've got to expect to win things. We've got to expect to be a serious football club, um, and I think that's come back under McInnes. I think I've been looking at Europa League and. Ostersunds are the, are the club that are the kind of outlier because you know they're sort of doing a bit of a Leicester City. I don't think Ostersunds' first team is any better than the Dons. I'm I'm kind of saying that not watching the Swedish league every week, but um, they're playing Arsenal. You know they're yeah. they're in the knockout stages playing Arsenal. We can't we can't even get into it proper. Albeit Leverkusen we're we're good, but and we've had some bad draws. But you look at Ostersunds and you think. You know, what you know. If we did get in, what could we do? So that has got to be a big part of the next sort of six months. That's got to be a big aspiration, trying to get in, not just not just into the Europe, but actually getting into the Europa League properly.
0: Yeah, uh, and there are changes to the European uh, Europa League structure next year, which both makes things harder and potentially gives you a. An easier path into the uh, group stages, but uh, let's hope we have that dilemma again next uh, July and hope we can secure European football for the uh, fifth, fifth, year I think? Five? Is that right? I think it's right. Which clearly uh, it gives you, just to uh, added something, I just wish it went on a little bit longer than the first weeks of August. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, my thanks tonight to Evan uh, Grief. Evan, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. To Jonathan Northcott, thank you Jonathan
3: Thanks everyone, absolute pleasure
0: And to Martin Cleaners, Martin thank you
2: No problem Richard, always a pleasure
0: We'll be back next week Looking back on hopefully three points at Easter Road and ahead to Another meeting with uh, Glasgow Celtic Thanks for listening tonight Good night